0: Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to TicketManager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. And joining me on this episode is Jan Liebchen, Senior Vice President and Head of Strategic Partnerships and Sponsorships for MT Bank. Welcome, Jan. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, Jim. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, Before we dive into those strategic partnerships and sponsorships, why don't we start with just some background on M&T Bank, particularly for those who recognize the brand. And if they do, probably because of some of those partnerships, but they may be unfamiliar with the uh, company's heritage, the footprint, positioning, and all of that. So, so can you walk us through some of those things?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, so M&T Bank employs about 22,000 people, has a network of a 1,000 branches that spans about 12 states from Maine to Virginia and Washington, D.C. And you know, at its core, it's a community bank that's committed to, to local businesses and entrepreneurs and, and having an impact on the communities that they live and work in. And so through our recent acquisition of uh, People's United Bank, uh, we've grown significantly in New England, uh, but uh, we're looking forward to having the impact we've had across our footprint. And I know
0: that when you talk about community bank, you define communities maybe a little bit uh, differently than just uh, than just geography. Can you tell us a little
1: bit about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. You know, at its core, at from a brand standpoint, uh, M&T is a community bank. We recognized a, a few years ago that the traditional definition of community you know, driven by geography and the proximity of your neighbors, those were your community. And that has broadened since. And so for us, uh, we've seen that, you know, your community can now be fellow commuters, small business owners, soccer parents, stamp collectors, lawyers, et cetera. You you get my point. And so we evolved the idea, the brand idea of community banking to a bank for communities. Uh And you see that reflected in our advertisement and that sense of community is expressed, you know, through our official maybe unofficial tagline of together we can. Mm. And it's also, we're quite lucky in our brand in that we have an Ambersant right in our m Bank logo, you know, that kind of visually represents the togetherness. In the NFL sponsorship, that concept comes to life through football brings us together. That's the the campaign that kind of wraps all of our activity with our two NFL partners.
0: When we talk about those partnerships and, and others, I'd like to just get a little bit of a sense of the strategy behind those relationships. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to imagine that uh, uh, the community uh, bank role play, plays a part in that. So, can so you could, can you talk about what the goals and objectives are for some of your various sponsorships, and, and maybe a little bit about just where sponsorship fits in the in the overall marketing mix?
1: Contrary to maybe how some brands may follow their sponsorship frameworks, we have not focused our partnerships on a few themes or sports. Uh, That's really driven by our community bank model that takes the decisioning closer to the region and closer to the community that we serve. And so what we've found to have a unifying theme is this idea of us participating in community rituals. And whatever they may be. And therefore, as a result, our portfolio may be you know, a little bit more diverse than you may uh, traditionally look to, to generate. While sponsorships can and should impact the entire sales funnel, we find the most powerful impact for us is kind of the top to the mid section. Okay. So, again, you know, if you look at it within the marketing mix model, for us, sponsorships afford us a really powerful, impactful, experiential marketing campaign and, and tool and so as a matter of sponsorships the way we approach sponsorships we we see a sponsorship to be a discussion between the property rights holder and its naturally attracted audience and we want to join that discussion and we want to join it uh, uh, authentically being a bank So we're not ESPN, for example, so we would never speak to, you know, a play call or a draft choice. Uh, And being authentic to our bank, we also want to make sure that we add value to that conversation. And so when I say conversation, it's interpreted in its broadest sense. So it's the nature of the engagement between those two parties, right? So the Ravens, for example, have their Ravens flock and they engage in multiple ways, so digitally or at game day uh, and in a variety of ways. And how do we participate in those engagements? By adding value and by being true to ourselves.
0: I would imagine your role, it, it sounds like it, it, it's a varied role. Right? You have obviously the, the, the two, I'm going to assume the largest partnerships are with the Ravens and the Bills, those, those NFL team partnerships. But then there's a lot of activity, as you said, that's happening on the local level in different communities. So are, are, does that mean that you are, are interfacing a lot with people throughout the bank, throughout your, your kind of regional and, and local offices? And just tell us a little bit about, about how that works.
1: Sure. Um, I I'll just take a step back quickly to, to, to frame how we, you know, how we set our goals and, and how that, that allows us to then have those interactions with uh, the colleagues in the field. So, yeah. so we have four pillars, four areas that we, we look at. So it's brand and engagement, customer growth, community engagement, and employee engagement. And so that's, that's the guiding principles that allow us to set uh, everything from, you know, uh, objectives, activation plans. They're all set through this lens. And so when I then look at my portfolio that has a, a I guess, group of mid to large uh, relationships that we centrally can activate to generate the return that we're looking for in those four buckets, those four pillars... Uh, but we have a really big portfolio of you know, smaller relationships, right? So with, with festivals or uh, smaller engagements that are maybe in the low thousands, even hundreds of dollars in terms of sponsorship investment number. And so it's just not feasible for us to be present at all of those. So what we've created is a framework to allow the independent m bank decision makers on those sponsorships to make the best possible decision for their for their objectives. So what we try to do on everything is to ensure that the sponsorship decision is anchored in what the business objectives are. So anytime we have a discussion with those folks as a consultant to their objectives, we ask them, so what's your business objective? Once it's clear what their, object, their business objective is and how our broader marketing team is trying to support those business objectives, we can then understand how a sponsorship in general could help support those objectives and how the particular sponsorship that they're looking at can do that. We then ask them to self-identify three objectives that they hope to achieve that will then allow them to look at it post sponsorship and see in a potential renewal and discussion, if the objectives were achieved. And if not, whether it's a question of tweaking the assets or the structure of the deal, or if it's a question of renewing or not renewing the sponsorship.
0: I'm kind of fascinated by the, by the dynamic of, of uh, portfolios when, when they are so diverse and, you know, you and I talked earlier and and we discussed kind of the, you know, the approach that, that m and bank has uh, you know, it's certainly, there's so many upsides in being able to do exactly what you were just talking about, you know, aligning with properties that are important and relevant to the different communities and, and meet the objectives of, of, uh, of your, your folks on, on the ground there. But as you said, and I thought this was really interesting because I hadn't really thought of it this way there can be a downside or could be a downside because there's no thematic connection. If you're doing a parade in one market, uh, a theater in, a, in another and a, and a sports property in, in a third. So how do you, how do
1: you uh, manage that challenge? So I guess uh, what we were talking about was the, the idea, you know, that there's obvious benefits to having a, a focus, you know, whether that's in your, cultural sponsorships or in your sports sponsorship that's that's singular so that those assets can interact with each other right so whether it's going from pee wee football in the local town that you serve through to the nfl those assets can then interact with each other in that you may take an nfl player to bring them to the pee wee, or you may talk to the support that you give on the very local level for the development of the game at an nfl game right and so that that's what i was saying but for us there is a, there is a, you know, a connecting element, which is they're all community rituals, right? So what the story that we're telling is that we are part of your rituals. And so we can connect them on that level, right? Everyone understands that when you are in a community, there's certain things that you do, you know, Friday night lights, you go to the football game, or you, you uh, celebrate at uh, your local religious institute, or you, you go to the local high school to to experience a theater. So that dynamic is quite common and understandable. So for us, the connector is that the assets are all designed to support and participate in community rituals. It's not as clean as you're suggesting, but I think we find ways uh, to make that work for us.
0: You also mentioned that when it comes to evaluating the performance of partnerships, the idea that each one has to earn a return can be a little bit tricky in in the decentralized kind of decision making environment that you have, uh, as you mentioned. If you've got uh, a sponsorship of a thousand dollars or less, kind of kind of difficult to hold that to the same standard as as an NFL team sponsorship. So uh, I guess this is kind of a two part question. Can you first? Just talk about the, your general approach to sponsorship measurement what kind of metrics are, are you looking at you, you, know, you obviously mentioned the the sales funnel um, there but um, and then just kind of talk about that issue of you know how are you looking at a, a small uh, you know ten thousand five thousand dollar sponsorship comparing that to, uh, to to one that that's a lot more a lot bigger investment than that.
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting is that you use the word return, right? Return can take uh, many different facets and, and can be seen in different ways. And so you know, I think it's it's really important to understand a few things. So the first thing, just as a team, we believe in continuous incremental improvement on all activities. So irrespective of what the actual return is, as long as there's incremental improvement in the particular um category that we're looking to achieve, uh, to achieve, that's where where we, we see our success, right? So we don't necessarily need to have paramount success in each of the categories, as long as we're seeing incremental improvements in all of the activities. It's the underlying ethos of the team, and it's relevant because it shows that we don't sit on really successful activities and just let it happen. We continuously evolve, which is why we're getting the return that we're seeing on most of our our partnerships. I would again go back to what I said earlier, it's of paramount importance that any measurement scheme or framework that you create is anchored in a business objective. And so that in itself would make it obvious that your objectives that you set will vary depending on the business objectives in the region or the department that you're looking to satisfy with the specific sponsorship. So there's no singular, we need to generate impressions. We need to have XYZ brand health improvement. It really depends and varies. And I can talk about specific scenarios to, to, to highlight that in a minute. I think that's just the fact of the decentralized model. It requires that we you know, create these decision-making tools and help educate and support our decentralized decision-makers on this idea. You need to anchor what you want to do and what your business objective is, not what a sponsorship can or cannot do. Because if it isn't anchored in your business objective, you will never know whether or not it's successful. And once that is set... That's when we then look at, given those objectives, what levers within the sponsorship activity can help support that. And that's where we set our objectives. So I don't have, unfortunately, an answer where we say we always do these three things yeah, no. uh, because that's not how it works for us. But in particular, I know that there are certain brands that may you know, focus on certain impacts and you know, quite successful ones that focus on TV visible signage at NFL games, for example, and are really driven by... The impressions that are generated by that—that uh, that is one thing that's uh, something we take note of. But it's definitely not the only way we generate value. Yeah, no, and, and
0: I, I'm a little bit skeptical when when somebody has a very sim- simple answer to that question right because as you said there are so many nuances you know objectives whether it's market to market or business line to business line yeah if the if, if company is using only only one one measuring stick I think they're probably uh, missing out on on quite a bit you, you mentioned talking about some 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 of the specifics and and I, I think maybe that will could be in in, uh, in the response to, to the next question that I wanted to ask you which uh, is basically kind of a comparison between the, those two large sponsorships that you have within the NFL, because there, there's so much conversation given the visibility and the amount of investment required around naming rights. And you know, to me, as someone who spends a lot of time just, just looking at this from, from the outside perspective and, and is engaged in that debate over the value of those kinds of things, you offer kind of an interesting case study because you have both the, the partnership where there is the naming rights component you know with the Ravens and MT Bank Stadium but then you also have uh the relationship with the Buffalo Bills where it is an official sponsorship without the the venue title and and maybe that will change with the new stadium in buffalo who knows i won't, I won't ask you about to, to speculate on that but 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 can you can you get, can compare those two two partnerships and 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 oh. you know obviously they they uh, are 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 different in in their structure but i'm imagining that's going to go back to because they're diff- they're different in objectives as well
1: so yes, i totally agree i mean naming rights partnerships are a powerful tool in generating significant brand lift so for us it's just really important what the context is of that because only with the right context will you ensure that the dollars that you have to spend which are quite significant are placed in the right place, right? So because the trade-off decisions that you're having is should I do a naming rights partnership or should I do a different marketing tactic to achieve the objectives that I want? So for us in Baltimore, uh, the naming rights partnership made a lot of sense because it was attached closely to an acquisition of uh, uh, All First Financial. So it allowed us to have a quite outsized, immediate um, impact in the community, so much so that I would say lots of folks in the greater Baltimore area, I actually believe our headquarters are in Baltimore uh, when they're actually in Buffalo, a little secret of mine. <laughs> I would say, so for us, you know, where are you when you start the consideration around a naming rights partnership when it comes to brand awareness and where do you want to be is a really important thought process and decision. So if you look at the bills, uh, when the naming rights partnership became available after New Era and now that uh, Highmark took it over, the question there is what's the delta that we could achieve in terms of awareness? And because it's our whole market, we already have significant awareness. The other point I would make is that while it's an important factor for us and really a valuable asset to be an trade partner, really how we generate a lot of our value is through all of the different activations that we do, being in the community, working with our employees, generating direct growth through it. And so in this particular instance, the math doesn't necessarily make sense if you already have significant brand awareness. Unless, of course, what you're trying to do is, you know, guard off a new entry to the marketplace and want to avoid that your direct competitor puts their name right on the stadium that you have. But Aside from that, I think we've done a great job at identifying where it makes sense for us to do naming rights partnerships and where it may make sense to have a significant presence. I mean, being the official bank of the Buffalo Bills, that's a big deal. Right. And uh, we do a really great job at then taking that relationship and making sure that we generate the best possible return for the firm.
0: Yeah, before I let you go, I'd love to talk about one of your other sponsorships, and that is with a pretty unique space in, in, in New York City, The Shed. Again, you know, New York itself uh, is, it, is an interesting market from a lot of perspectives. Certainly, you know, lots of financial services businesses, and including you know, big banks, community banks, uh, all competing for attention. So just tell us a little bit about uh, how that partnership came. And again, maybe, uh, you know, what, how are you, how are you using it? And and again, maybe a little bit of the dynamic of of how that's uh, different uh, working with an arts and cultural organization versus uh, uh, sports
1: team. I mean, first of all, if you're not familiar with the shed, uh, I highly recommend that you go. What an exciting project uh, that, uh, was part of one of the most significant real estate development projects in the Western Hemisphere in recent history, in the Hudson Yards. Um, and so th- how we came to the shed was that M&T Bank is a significant provider of financing to the shed. Uh, something that M&T is really, really good at is looking at complex financing structures And providing creative solutions to them so where you may not have you know traditional values that you can quantify as an underwriter uh right this is a brand new cultural institution they don't have a history of ticket sales that you could point to or a history of revenue it requires some creative thinking Uh, and so that's where mnt is really really strong and so the reason why this particular sponsorship is so much fun on our side is we have an authentic, true part in the creation of the shed. To, to a certain degree, you could say that the shed wouldn't be what it is today without M&T Bank. And so that's a really powerful storytelling tool. Uh, and that's really an exciting thing to be able to say in a market like New York City that is you know, the number one DMA uh, around Sponsorships and advertising, and doing this in a way that has an impact is exciting for us. And so, the shed also allows us to to connect and be the convener of discussions. So we have relationships with nonprofit organizations. For example, uh, there is an organization called Dreamyards uh, that we've connected to the shed. This is an organization in the Bronx that uses the arts to help educate young people. And um, we have taking the shed and bringing it to Dreamyards and bringing the students from Dreamyards to the shed. And so this connecting part is a really exciting part for us. And to be a part of the democratizing of access to art is really exciting, both the consumption and the creation of art in, in the most humble way we can do that. You know, the arts world, contrary to the sports world, obviously has a little bit of a of a of a, I guess, stressed relationship with corporate underwriters, but the shed is really innovative and a fantastic partner uh, in finding ways that we authentically can join that particular conversation.
0: You know and, and just listening to you and talking about all of these different partnerships I think it's just a great reflection on why those of us who are, are in this business really are kind of fortunate because we get to to dabble in in all of these different things especially you know someone in, in your role it's 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 that kind of a partnership you know one day or one hour and then it's a it's a more traditional football tailgate <laughs> uh, activation. the next next day.
1: So never. they're both both exciting, right? And from a portfolio standpoint, you know, the same way your customer base will be varied in their uh, interests and their engagements, the same way your portfolio should reflect that in some way in my mind. Absolutely. So,
0: well, Jan, thank you so much for, for taking the time and, and uh, shedding some light on, on what you're doing there and, and a lot, lot of good things for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch and, and look forward to uh, new developments from you. And uh, on behalf of Ticket Manager and everyone there, thank all of you for watching and listening. And please join us again for the next episode in the All Access Interview Series.